the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. I completely don't understand today. So many things to say. It's Davo, and I'm glad you are along to talk some Royals baseball on Clubhouse Conversation. And this is your dish. Should I say talk Royals baseball? You can always reach out on Twitter at Royals Clubhouse, Facebook Clubhouse Conversation through the site here as well. We're going to talk of tonight, and, and I've been accused of never criticizing Nadios this year. I've gotten a lot of tweets, people saying, you're way too positive, you're drinking the Royals Kool-Aid. No, I'm just patient. I trust Nadios, I trust Dayton Moore. They've earned that after the last couple of years, most notably last year, and Ned and Dayton have made pretty much every single move I would have made at the exact time. And that's not saying that I am right, it's just saying that they're right. I mean, they've been right all year. But I'll give you a spoiler alert about tonight's dish. I highly disagree with what went on today with the Royals lineup. The whole mentality of it, not just the lineup, but what it says. And I've heard lots of different reasoning, lots of tweets at me, and good constructive conversations all day. 50-50, half agree with me, half disagree. We've talked back and forth all day. I appreciate all the tweets at Royals Clubhouse. And we're going to kind of get down to some of the things I've been told or you know, some of the things people have argued back. And there have been some definite valid points. Definitely some fair things have been post and so we're going to get to this we're going to talk all about this in fact it'll dominate 80 percent of the dish tonight a little controversy almost you know september is brewing it must be almost the playoffs here we're getting a little heated up here tonight on clubhouse conversation first our player of the game for the third time this year is alex rios and he got a single tonight that earns him player of the game that's how bad the lineup and the offense was tonight how bad the atmosphere was for the 37,000-plus who paid a good price to go watch the Royals on a Friday night. May I, add, may I add the last Friday night of the regular season, the last home series of the regular season. Alex Rios a single. He saved the no-hitter. That's why he's player of the game. Royals offense overall, 15 strikeouts, two walks, one single. And one pitcher... Mr. Carrasco, Carlos to be exact, strikes out 15 or more Royals. One pitcher does this for the first time since the Rocket, Roger Clemens, did it seven-plus years ago. Carlos Carrasco, that line, in case you're wondering and want to hear it interpreted from a pitcher's perspective, nine innings, shutout, one hit, 15 strikeouts, two walks. The guy earned like 68 DraftKings points if you're on DraftKings all by himself tonight. That's what a friend told me. Of course, I don't partake in those kind of activities, although it is legal in the U.S., which is good. But let's get to the lineup now. That, is it really that surprising? Yeah, the 15Ks is a bit surprising. And for Let's be honest here. Something I harp on all the time is that tip your freaking cap. Give the opponent some credit. It's not all of something the Royals did. So before we delve into this, Carlos Carrasco is sick tonight. Sitting 96 the four-seam, 92, two-seam, slider up there. It was devastating. It was amazing. Watching that performance up close and personal tonight, I was like, wow. That was perhaps the most impressive since I saw Jose Fernandez a couple of years ago for the Marlins pitching at the K, and that ball was just dancing all over the place. I remember being struck by how much movement Jose had that night. And Carlos Carrasco, different kind. Maybe not the movement that Fernandez has. The velocity is a little better. At least consistently. Amazing tonight by Carrasco. So not surprising that he was good. 
no matter who he was facing tonight. He was going to be pretty good. Now, do I think the Royals' regular lineup strikes out 15 times and gets a one-hitter? No. I think the Royals were able to push across a couple of runs tonight. They may have struck out seven, eight, nine times. He does strike out better than a hitter per inning, does Carrasco. Let's get that straight. That guy's above average major league starter. He's a good major league starter. Could be great when all is said and done. But the lineup tonight that Ned Yost put out, let's get to this. Seven backups played. Three or four of which were AAA players. I'm not going to call out guys. You know who I'm talking about. Three or four are true AAA players that were out there in the lineup tonight. First of all, let's just say what this signals to me. You can say all you want that home field advantage is very important. The Royals have a lead still by a game over Toronto. This game may not you know, decide home field on its own. There's been blown saves by Holland. There's been four or five bad starts from Cueto. There's been nights the offense couldn't get it done. All true. All true. But how can you go out tonight when you've been struggling for the majority of the month of September? A lot of people, whether it's fair or not, believe that some of that struggling came from kind of a country club soft mentality of the Royals. I mean, as Johnny Gomes put it when he came over, quote unquote, you have to know when to turn it down a bit and then turn it back up. You never turn it off, but you turn it down and turn it up. That's the mentality the Royals have had, no doubt. Giving guys plenty of rest. And in some cases, that was good. That was warranted. But, I mean, that's my point. Part of the tailspin, a lot of people believe, yes, was the starting pitching. That's totally true. You can't totally overcome that when you're put behind the eight ball every other night for a couple of weeks. But the mentality kind of became, let's turn it down a little bit. Let's save it for the postseason. And it it happened a little too early. And, you know, as a result, and not entirely as a result, it's not the offense's fault that the Royals gave up two grand slams in the same inning in Baltimore or that Johnny Cueto... Hasn't been pitching well, or that Greg Holland got hurt, on and on. It's not all the offense's fault. It's not all Nettios resting guys' fault, obviously. No one's that naive to say that. But at the same time, part of the tailspin coincided with the Royals starting to rest guys, pulling it, toning it down a bit. So you finally win two games in a row for the first time in a couple of weeks. You feel like you've got the momentum and the swagger back after last night. You're clinging to a two-game lead over Toronto, but it's essentially a one-game lead because, remember, if the Royals end up tied with Toronto, they lose home field advantage. They do not. I mean, a tie does you no good. A tie is a loss. So now you're only one up. I mean, you're clinging to that, and the way Toronto's been playing, they don't play any team still with playoff aspirations. Baltimore, I guess, technically does, but... Tampa, and by the time they play Baltimore next week on the road, Baltimore will be completely out. The Royals, meanwhile, still have three against the Twins the last weekend of the season. And you bet at your bottom dollar the Twins are probably going to at least be in it mathematically at that point. That's going to be tough. This Cleveland team is tough. They've woken up in the second half, and there's still an outside, outside chance for them. The Royals have a tougher schedule from here on out, for one thing. Two, the Blue Jays have been hotter. Three, you just can't. I mean, home field is important. And let's just get to some of the, I'll come back to some of this. I got a lot to say tonight. So get some popcorn, put your feet up, get some Kool-Aid, a Bud Light, whatever you drink. So some of the reasons I've heard why the Royals ran this lineup out tonight. One of the tweets, they drank too much. They partied too much. Would you want them out there playing like that? Hung over? They'd be worse than the guys out there. My first question is, so the backups didn't drink? Johnny Gomes, Gerard Dyson didn't go out to McFadden's last night and throw down a couple and get a couple shots. Juby Terra didn't have a beer. Pretty much everybody in this roster had a couple drinks last night, guys. The, the backups did not partake in the team party last night. Second, they couldn't be ready by 7 p.m. to play. Last I checked, 
<laughs> legally you can't serve alcohol, what, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? Let's say they said after party. Went till 4 or 5 in the morning. Let's say they had a 12-pack on their own. Most guys that are going to drink that much have a pretty good tolerance, and I'm not trying to be a doctor here. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to uh, talk about blood alcohol content and get all deep on you here, but most guys who, who are going to party that hard, it's not their first time doing it. They go to bed at 4 or 5 in the morning, drink some water, drink some Gatorade when you get up around 2 in the afternoon, come out to the ballpark, or you just don't do it that much in the first place. You realize you hardly have a lead, and it's just the division clinch. You've known you're going to clinch the division for five weeks. There's nothing that I – mean, it's just inevitable. The Royals clinched much bigger things last year, namely the ALCS, the champions. I just don't see why that kind of over-the-top partying that some of you suggest would be warranted last night. That's number one point. Now, some people say, and Ned Yo said, they deserve it. They deserve a night off to celebrate and kind of kick back and chill. Agree once we have home field clinched. Agree if we're up four games on Toronto right now, which we're not. I mean, and okay, I guess I must say, but we'll wait a second. They still have a one-game lead now with nine games to go, people say. Okay, that's also true. But now the Royals have to match Toronto the last nine. My next question for you, and again, this is all admitting, I'm not saying the Royals would have won the game tonight. Who knows? But my point is they never gave themselves a chance to win this game tonight. There was a 20% chance they were going to win this game tonight. The next thing is that I want to ask you, do you think John Gibbons up in Toronto, let's say they clinch the AL East here on Wednesday, and they're still either tied with the Royals, a game up or a game back. Do you think John Gibbons is going to give his entire lineup the night off the next day? You think Edwin Encarnacion's out of that lineup? Along with Josh Donaldson, along with Jose Bautista, along with Russell Martin, along with Kevin Pillar. You think all these guys are going to come out of the lineup the next day once they clinch the ALEs? Think again. No chance in hell. No chance in hell. And yes, you might say, well, at that point, there's only five games left and if they're tied or one. There's only nine games left. The Royals are only up by one. No chance in hell John Gibbons gives that lineup an entire day off. No chance in hell. Let's watch and see what happens with Toronto clinches over the Yankees. Now, the one that irks me the most, and I'll say there's, without naming names, because I work in the radio profession full-time, if you're not aware, besides doing Clubhouse Conversation. I've been in radio for 18 years. I'm on 20-plus stations across the country. So I'm a professional. I'm not going to throw people under the bus. And I appreciate everyone having an opinion. And I'm not saying mine is necessarily right. I'm just telling you what I'm very passionate about this topic. So we're we're talking about this here. I hear people saying it doesn't matter if the Royals get home field. It really doesn't matter. You guys are getting cocky thinking that it matters for the ALCS. Not really. You're trying to give yourself the best chance to get to the World Series. Why were we talking about the Royals getting or the AL getting home, you know, home field in the World Series when they won the All-Star game then? We're not getting presumptuous. We're just saying if we happen to get there, it's good to have it. That's point number one. Point number two, Toronto, because Toronto seems to be, and it's a crapshoot when you get in the playoffs, but Toronto seems to be most likely the team the Royals take on, right? Do you want to face Toronto in a climate-controlled dome where it's 75 degrees and it's nice and comfy with shorter fences and you got the crowd in that dome really behind them? Who knows? Maybe some shenanigans going on with <laughs> cheating. I mean, I'm not, I don't think they cheat. I, I actually think that's BS. But some people have conspiracy theories, so let's just say it's true. Do you want to rest that? Number one. That's my number one. But the bigger point that nobody talks about 
And getting back to home field, do you think the Royals won that wild card game last year without home field? No chance in hell. You think they rip off seven bags and come back from down five and throw up all these runs on the road in Oakland last year? No chance in hell. If you were out there, you know what that crowd did that night and throughout the postseason. Both the team and the crowd built on each other. But getting back to Toronto, number two, how do you think that the ball is going to jump off their bats here where you've got a bigger outfield when it's 45 to 55 degrees with a wind out there, hopefully blowing in, but it's a lot cooler. How do you think Toronto's going to do? Where are they more likely to hit more home runs and be better? And where are they more likely to win? The place where they get the extra game in front of their home crowd with a hitter-friendly park where it's proven, if you want to go by the stats, the OPS is much better at home. Where do you think they're more likely to succeed in that extra game and getting games 1, 2, 6, and 7 at home? Number two, the bigger thing that nobody talks about, it's not just about home field. It's about the fact of matchups. Let's use Texas and Houston as examples. Both teams, the Royals, are fairly likely to see. Houston, I think, will hold on and find a way, although the Altuve injury hurts tonight. I, I believe they'll find a way to get that wild card. And Dallas Keuchel's been struggling. Off and on. His last start, I believe it was. It was, it was last start. He got lit up like a Christmas tree. It was two starts ago, one or the other. I don't cover the Astros, but I believe it was last start. He's been struggling off and on. Still, he's one of the premier pitchers in all of baseball, especially left-handed. And let's look at Texas. Cole Hamels, one of the premier left-handed pitchers in all of baseball, right? Royals struggle against what, usually? Left-handed pitching. One of the reasons they got Johnny Gomes, in addition to the, the chicken pox with Alex Rios. Let's just say, for comparison's sake, would you rather see... I mean, let's, let's assume Texas wraps up the AL West. Let's say the Royals lose home field, okay? So that means they play Texas. Instead of playing the winner of the wild card, they play the, the winner of the AL West, the way things are stacking up right now. So they get Cole Hamels twice. Potentially twice. It depends on what, they, what Texas does. They have some other good starters as well. What about Houston? Keiko's going to start that one-game playoff, most likely, unless it falls, unless they just can't do that. I'm just saying there's a good chance the Royals could miss Dallas Keiko. They're probably going to get the ace, whoever it is. It may not even be Hamels. Let's just say it's not Hamels. Whoever. Whoever Texas feels is the strongest starter, they're going to be able to line up their rotation however they want because they're going to clinch that with at least a few games to go. So the Royals are going to get the best pitcher that Texas feels they have twice if they lose this home field, right? Let's assume, though, that Houston tries to throw Keuchel. Even Casimir. The Royals can't hit Casimir the lefty either. McCullers is a good pitcher for Houston. Whoever they throw, you're going to eliminate one of those guys one time. Let's say they throw Keiko in, in the wild card game on Tuesday. You're not going to see him more than once then in the five-game series. What I'm saying is you're probably going to get one less pitcher from an ace against you in that first round. That's a huge difference. That may even be bigger than home field. Just some points I wanted to make there. I don't get it. Give two to three guys the game off tonight. You don't need to give the whole freaking lineup. Two to three guys tonight. Give Salvi's tonight. Give Haas tonight. Give Eski tonight. Then tomorrow, give Moose and Gordo. Day after that, give Zobrist and Rios. I mean, why, why do you have to give the entire lineup? The Royals can still win games with one or two guys in the lineup that aren't their regulars without it making a big difference. They're, they have a good enough bench where they've got a couple good guys off that bench. And let's go off of the games played this year. Because I don't think, another thing I've been hearing is, well, this will be their last game off and they'll play from here on out. Do you honestly believe Ned Yost is not going to give any of these guys a day off the rest of the year? Do you honestly believe that? Let's just add eight more games. There's nine games to go. Let's add eight more games to current games played this season and see where guys are for total. Salvador Perez, if he plays, which he won't, we'll add seven for him because he's going to get Sunday afternoon off essentially the next two weeks. You're going to get Salvi two more days off. So Salvi, if you do it that way, plays exactly 140 games this year. 
That's fine. 140 games is pretty good from Salvi. Hosmer would play 157 if you add eight games. Well, we're giving all these guys one game off from here on out. So that'd be 157 for him. Escobar, 147. That's fine. That's not a lot for an everyday shortstop, especially compared to last year. Moose, 146 if you add eight games. 146 games is not that many. Gordo, 104 games. Yes, he was hurt. I'm just going by total games. Not that many. Kane, 142. Injury prone, so that's probably where you want him. Morales, 159, I guess, is fine, although all he does is hit. We're also giving these guys a lot of days off in September, the majority of these guys. And they're going to have three more off between Sunday and Thursday. And a good chance, the Royals, there's a good chance, especially if you're playing your guys tonight, there's a good chance maybe that last game or two of the year don't matter at that point. Then you can give those guys that game off too. But either way, they're getting Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off before the playoffs start. And they get a game after every two games in the playoffs. Until you get to those best of seven, they play three in a row in the middle. But other than that, I just don't get it. Plenty of days off. What's a day off tonight really going to do in the grand scheme two weeks from now when the playoffs start? Barring an injury, unless somebody got hurt tonight, is a day off tonight really going to make a difference in two weeks when they get three days off before the playoffs? What's more important? I I don't get it. That's just my opinion. It's the first time all season I've disagreed strongly. I think I've, honest to God, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I even griped to myself about Ned Yost this year about a decision. He's been dead on. He's been great. I, I don't get it, though. Final two games of the series. And by the way, the Royals have to match Toronto to get home field, not only for the home field that we talked about, but for the matchups we talked about. The extra revenue would be nice to get from an extra home game as we look towards payroll next year. I'm just, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm grasping at straws on that one. I'm just, I don't know. Royals, not to me, though, with nine games to go, have to go six and three if they want home field. You got to believe Toronto is going to find a way to go six and three. The Royals have to match them from here on out. And maybe they would have anyways if they played all their guys tonight, but I sure would have liked to have found out. Josh Tomlin and Chris Medlin tomorrow. Josh Tomlin 6-2 with a 2-4-3. Chris Medlin 5-1 with a 3-5-1. That's a rematch of the 9-15 game a little over a week ago. Josh Tomlin, eight starts this year, hasn't given up more than four runs in any of them. Has one start against KC, like I said, back in the 15th. Complete game, two runs on four hits. Six Ks and no walks against KC. Medlin that night was great, too. No runs on five hits. No Ks that night in six and a third. Finally, Chris Young makes the start in place of Jeremy Guthrie. His first start, by the way, since July 28th, which was also against Cleveland. He's opposed by Danny Salazar in the finale Sunday afternoon. 13-9 with a 3-5-1. Salazar 2-1 with a 4-0-5 against KC in three starts this year. And Chris Young has been roughed up in his two starts against the Tribe, although it's been a while. 6-8-4 and 9-2-3. Got to find a way to go 6-3. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation.